Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. All right. Who was that, by the way? I'd, li- I'd love to know. Oh, thank you, my friend. Yeah, Jordan, good. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's hear it for Jordan. He just whistled at me. Let's say, what a blessing that guy is. So, all right. Well, hey, uh, good to be with you all today. My name's Nathan, uh, one of the pastors here. Um, and uh, we are continuing our Kingdom Family series today. I, I want to tell you, though, from the start, I've got a, f- a few announcements that I just want to share with you from my heart, but I want to tell you from the start that I was planning on speaking out of Matthew chapter 19, where Pharisees try to trip up Jesus and ask him about divorce and why Moses allowed it, all right? Uh, It was going to be a heavy sermon. I really felt um, that on top of the other heavy sermons I've been preaching today, (laughs) you know, how many people just want to talk about divorce today? Anybody? I know I don't, Uh, but uh, even though I I know what it feels like and I know there needs to be healing there, um, but uh, today I feel like there's a different word. I had the privilege of speaking on Friday night at the um, at the senior banquet and where we celebrated six graduating uh, you know high school seniors let's hear it for seniors at Providence and tribes right actually uh, do we have any graduating seniors here either in, in high school or, or college can you just stand for a second yeah just stand up for one second let's hear it for them again all right we've got a graduating senior right here too there we go all right good we just bless you guys we bless you guys and we declare a fabulous future over your lives, all right? And do not let the enemy tell you that it's getting darker, it's getting brighter as long as Jesus is alive, and he always is, all right? So, um, but I was at the senior banquet, and I really felt like uh, what God wanted me to speak there was just a real simple word on, on David when he was a boy being called into kingship. And as I was speaking, I felt like this is the simple word that God wants me to release this morning. So I'm just changing gears. It's going to be much happier. We're going to talk about David with his sheepies, all right? And so, but, it, but I do believe that it's going to be uh, a word that's going to hit our hearts. And uh, so I want to encourage you to open your Bibles to First uh, Samuel. Samuel chapter 16. Now, while you turn there, I do want to tell you about a few things that we're doing. And the reason that I'm, I'm starting with this is it's really important to us. Um, one of the things that God spoke, or really the, the main banner statement that God spoke uh, to my heart and that we embraced as a leadership at Providence is that 2023 was going to be a year for reaching people. And we've been doing so many things in that direction. Imposter, yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but that play that our creative ministry put on, we, we packed the auditorium out and it was really powerful. Uh, we, you know, uh, Easter and we, we, we start out the year with Generosity Sunday where we were able to more than quadruple our emissions giving for the entire year, and so many things have happened, Uh, but uh, one of the biggest things that we're doing, that God put this on our heart last year, and it was a surprising success, is that we're doing uh, fireworks on July 4th up here on the hill. Last year, an estimated thousand people came uh, to that, and they were parked up all along the streets. We, we, you know, we were breaking all kinds of code violations and stuff. Don't tell anyone, but we did, Uh, you know, but it's just we weren't expecting all of it. This year, we are planning for 2,000 people. We've been planning this for months already and we have a a team 
Um, led by, well, led by lots of leaders actually, but Dwayne is one of them. I don't know if Dwayne's here. Uh, but we're, we're really organized and we're preparing for 2,000 people. And last year the fireworks were about 12 minutes. This year the fireworks are going to be about a half an hour. And so the fireworks to have them professionally done. And the fireworks, we're using the same guy. I, I've seen lots of fireworks. I've never seen fireworks done this well. They're too music and everything. Uh, it, I, Disney World is the only place that competes. I'm serious. I'm not joking. All right. And so, but uh, we're, we're playing on 2,000 people and, and we're taking this seriously because the reason we're doing this is because we want to reach people. And sometimes the way that you reach people is uh, just inviting them over and loving on them. Okay. That's what this is to us. We're inviting the community. We just want to bless Spring Grove and the surrounding area. Uh, we're blessing the community and say, hey, you don't have to be miserable with Hanover's fireworks anymore. All right? <laughs> you do not have to sink to those depths. All right? There is, there is more life for you than there. All right? You don't have to park at the Home Depot parking lot and fight lots of you know, heathens in Hanover. You can, you can listen. And you guys know I'm joking, but uh, come to the hill. That is really what I'm not joking about. And so we want to invite people over. We want to love on them. We're actually not going to do porta potties uh, out there. We're going to open up our whole facility and invite the whole facility inside. Um, and, um, and, you know, it, we, we want people to come to our house. And so uh, fireworks, though, are expensive. It's about $16,000 to do it right. Um, and so if you are a business owner or somebody that this is on your heart, uh, we want to uh, invite you to help sponsor those fireworks. That's what I'm saying. And so we're going, I know that God's going to provide. Last year, someone, someone uh, donated all the money, and then I... Uh, I stood up after the fireworks, and after people saw how great they were, uh, people gave to it, and, and we, we were able to pay for all of them. This year, I hope that we don't have to lean on one person. I hope that all of us come together who have means to do that and to really sponsor these fireworks. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I hope you are too, but I'm, I'm excited just to be here, play cornhole with people that I don't know, watch some fireworks. It's going to be a blessing to us. But I want to invite you to the hill that night to actually come, bring your families, but be on mission and ask the Holy Spirit how he feels about the people around you and just like love on them. All right? Do you understand that? The heart behind that? All right. The other thing is VBS. Man, we want to go after a generation. And so the, the, I want to encourage you that we don't do VBS around here just for the kids in the church. You know that God did not give us 72 acres of land to be a bubble where we insulate ourselves from the world. That is not the vision of this. We actually believe that God's entrusted with, uh, to us 72 acres of land that we can use to impact society. And so that's what VBS is for. It's for you to invite neighbors to this and your kids. The kids are going to hear about Jesus, your kids, but your kids' friends. Um, I remember uh, we, uh, when my kids had, were little and they had friends, they, we just kept inviting these, these two, a boy and a girl, over to our house. We shared Jesus with them around the table. They received Jesus. Then they went home and led their parents to Jesus, all right? And we're just believing for testimonies like that. We're believing that at VBS, many kids are going to be saved. And I just believe that God wants to start small he wants to start with children and that children in these days are going to be leading their parents to Jesus. So uh, I think we're going to hear lots of things like that. So I'm very excited. The only other thing uh, that I have to, to share quick is I think that we have in the house some people back from our Namibia missions trip. Do we have any of those people back here? If, if you can, can you just stand? Hey, John, how are you? I haven't seen you in weeks. Good to see you. John, we got, oh, good. The Preston is good. Let's just welcome them back. We can't wait to hear the stories. And we're sure that God did great things. We still have some people over there. 
Uh, oh, right, right over here too, Mr. Mustache Man. I love that dude. That looks great. All right. But at the, on a Wednesday night, at one of our Wednesday night services, we're going to have what we call a stories from the field, where we invite the whole uh, church out to hear what happened on the trip. And so uh, we'll be planning that and communicating that soon. So those are just some things from, from my heart. They're important. Uh, and they have, there's glory in there. Do you feel it? All right. Now let's pray, and, and we're going to open up our hearts. Heavenly Father, as we look at your word, 1 Samuel chapter 16, we look at David. Lord, I just pray that our hearts are wrecked and that you show us what being a kingdom family is from this passage. God, so we welcome your move here. I pray rich blessing over every person. We welcome our, our, uh, our missions team back, and we just pray blessings over them. We thank you for tribes and the young people of this church and our children. God, you're doing so much stuff, God. And Lord, I just pray that this would be another step uh, in the direction of your heart and that you would touch and bless us now. We ask you this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're there at 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, we're going to be mostly in verses 1 to 13, actually really starting with verse 6, and I'm not going to read it right now. I want to start out this morning asking you a question, and here's the question is, is this, what is God looking for in a generation? That's the question. We, we talk a lot about having hope for a generation. You're going to do great things. We speak to a generation. We say we're very concerned for this generation. We say all of this stuff about a generation. But I want to ask this morning, what does God think about a generation? What is he looking for in a generation? What gets the heart of the Father's attention when he sees it showing up in a, in a generation? If you look at this world, you can, you can see that this generation has some stuff that should be concerning and alarming. But let's be honest, every generation has. Hello? You're, my generation did. You know, we taught, we kind of glorify all oh, back in my day when I, you know, you know, worked hard, you know, and I didn't stare at a screen and all that. But there was something in every generation that was concerning to the preceding generation. And do you, let me talk about preceding generations, though, is that our job is not, uh, is not to highlight the concerns, but to speak into the potential success, of the, of the uh, upcoming generation. Nobody changes through shame and concern sharing, all right? The, the generation coming up needs to be loved and, and needs to, it needs to be full of the hopes of the older ones speaking into the coming generation. But what is God looking for in a generation? It's a huge question. And we see that God raises up and calls out leaders in every generation, pioneers in every generation. Every generation has people that God puts his hand on to be people of, of influence and impact, people that, that change culture, that, that change history as a result of God's hand on their lives. But how does God's hand get on their lives? What is God looking for? What attracts the, the powerful working of God in a generation like a David? And the answer is so significant, especially on a morning like this where we have a child dedication especially on a time like this where we've got people graduating from, from high school and college. It is so significant uh, to, to parents because the answer to this question focuses our attention on what do we actually instill in our children? Is it just a hard work ethic? Is it just you got to go to college? Is, what, is that really what God is concerned about most? There's lots of good things. What's the best thing? Hello? What's God actually looking for? 
And this passage is going to show us that really what God cares about most when he is, what he is looking for in a generation is he is just simply, listen, he is just simply looking for hearts. All right. Now that's not like, that's like, oh, wow, I never heard that before. How, wow, how significant. But I believe that we've heard it so much that it's actually lost flavor. I believe that we've heard it so much that we actually kind of, it's like old hat, it's old news. And what God wants to do this morning is he wants us to, to get the flavor back. He wants us to get the urgency back that your heart matters above all things in your generation. All right? So 1 Samuel, uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 to 3, is uh, here's what's happening in this passage. The, the chapter right before chapter 15 is God has taken his hand off of King Saul. King Saul was the first, uh, first king in Israel. He was the tallest person in, in, in all of Israel. He was the king that the people wanted. People were like, we want a king like the other nations. And God's like, I want to be your king. I don't want you to be like the other nations. But the people of Israel insisted, so God gave them uh, a king the kind of king that they wanted. He was very tall. He looked like a king, but he didn't have the heart of a king. And the hand of God came off of Saul uh, rapidly because Saul cared more about what people said than what God said. And he just walked in disobedience all of his days, but he wanted to look good. Do you know, have you ever been like that? As, as long as people perceive me as, as a king, I can disobey behind the scenes. And that is not a heart that gets God's attention. And in fact, in this situation, God abandoned Saul and he, he had been planning. And look at verse 16, chapter 1. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? Because Samuel's grieving that Saul is not following God anymore. He says, stop grieving over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Listen to this. Fill your horn with oil. Okay, now that is very significant because Samuel is a prophet and filling his horn with oil means that he's going he's gonna to be anointing the next king. All right? That's what, that's what happens. Old Testament is oil. New Testament, when we talk about oil, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. All right? So uh, fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Bethlehemite meaning Jesse lives in Bethlehem, the same town that Jesus was born in. But this is before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. All right? So Saul didn't pan out, and God has, has provided for himself a king in Jesse's house, all right? So this is the, this is the story here where Samuel the prophet is sent by God to Jesse's house. He is going with a horn of oil, and he's, going, he's bringing that horn of oil because one of Jesse's sons, Jesse has eight sons, is, one of Jesse's sons is going to be anointed the new king of Israel. Now, how many people would say, now that is a high and a holy calling, Right? It is. Now, I want to talk about, though, when, when God is sending Samuel to Jesse's house to line up Jesse's sons and say, is it this one, God? Is it this one? Is it this one? Is it all the way down the line? I want to tell you what God was not looking for. All right? Let's start with, with verse 6 here. Uh, and it says this. When they came, he, uh, when they came, meaning when the sons came, he, meaning Samuel, looked on Eliab, Eliab, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I, maybe I'm pronouncing that like South Central Pennsylvania. That's Eliab. You know, I don't know. I know. Uh, Eliab. I, I, I don't really know, but you guys know what I mean. Eliab. He, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. All right. Verse 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Can anybody say amen to that? All right, look at verse 8. Then Jesse called Abinadab. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that either, guys. Like, bear with me here, all right? Uh, and, and made him pass before Samuel, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Look at verse 9. Then Jesse made Shema pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And look at verse 10. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. All right? I want to talk about for a moment what God is not looking for. All right? And it happens to be, like, I want to, like, permission just to be a little offended as a parent. All right, because many times we find that what we're looking for in our kids is not what God is looking for in our kids. All right, we're looking for our kids to not embarrass us in public, not to scream, to be obedient, even if they don't want to. All right, we use that kind of terminology, and what we're saying is your heart doesn't matter. Your what your perception, how people perceive you, but more importantly, how people will perceive me, the parent. That's what that's what matters to us around here. All right. So, but uh, let's talk about what God is not looking for in a mo uh, for a moment, and let's look at Eliab or Eliab. He is the oldest, all right? You start back in these days, you always start with the oldest. The, the blessing was supposed to go to the oldest son, but interestingly enough, God is not looking at birth order here. When he looks at a generation, he's not looking at birth order. He's not looking at rank. He's not looking for the first one in line. That's interesting. For the, the one who gets here first, that's going to be the first one that gets the prize. Wow, like we reward first. God doesn't. God does not reward first. Maybe some of you are here and maybe you're like, the, you're, you're dead last in your family. Maybe the, you're the youngest and smallest. Maybe you say, wow, there's something in us that just says, well, the oldest is, is supposed to be the best. The oldest is supposed to get all the stuff. I want to tell you, in God's kingdom, in a kingdom family, God doesn't care about your age. God doesn't care about birth order. He doesn't care that you're the oldest. He's not looking at that stuff. You know what else he, God is not looking at? Is he's not looking at appearance. Samuel see, sees Eliab, or, you know, I, I can't even say it right. But Samuel sees this guy, and, and he, he's, Samuel says, this must be the guy. <laughs> wow. Have you ever seen a person like that? They walk out and you're like, whoo, your, your, your mind is blown. It looks, like, it looks like he was tall. So he looks like a king. A king back to these people, they needed to have the stature of a king. They needed to stand out above everybody else. Maybe the face of the king, a physique of the king, a height of the king. I took my son Ethan, who's six foot six, to Florida on a man trip. Some of the men in our life speaking into Ethan, we took him out for a seafood dinner the one night. And I remember Ethan opens the door to the restaurant and out comes walking a little kid, maybe six years old. And the kid stopped there and just stood at Ethan like this and just said, wow. Right? I, I felt like a proud, proud dad. And I bent down to the kid and I said, no, I, I want to let you know that he gets it from me. I'm his father. He gets this from me, you see. I did not do that. Uh, but I wanted to. I was doing that in my heart. I was like, yeah, like six foot six, great hair, great physique. Looks like a king. Guess what? If I make a big deal about my son's height and his looks and his stature and all that stuff, guess what? I am not focusing on what God focuses on. I think so many of us, it's, it's, it's built into us that the person who looks like the cultural narrative is the one where we go, wow, that is the one. And what happens is, is we, we start advancing people who should never be advanced because their heart doesn't measure up to their stature. And then what we start doing is we start ignoring people who have a heart but no stature. 
So here's, God is not looking at, at age, birth order. He's not looking at your appearance. He's not looking at your height. He's not looking at your stature. When God is raising up and calling out leaders in a, in, in a generation, listen, your height has nothing to do with it. Like just, just props to the short ones. Anybody, come on. If you're short today, give it up. All right, it does not matter. All right? So listen, verse, verse 7 God is, is speaking to Samuel as, as Samuel goes, wow, look at this one. Whoa, now that is a king. He's seeing like, he's seeing like the nations. Even Samuel, we can fall prey to this, guys. Seeing like the nations, seeing like the world. Man, handsomeness and ruggedness and strength and stature and height, that's what matters. And God says to Samuel, he has to say to his best prophet, Samuel, you're looking like the world does. For the Lord sees not as the world sees. The Lord sees not as man sees. That is how man sees. We're living in a day where the world is going to tell you in a 10 million ways an hour that what you look like matters most. What you look like will advance you. What you look like will speak value to you. And even today, you can't even talk on the phone anymore without seeing yourself. It's just, I'm telling you guys, there's, there's something incredibly unhealthy with, with what is happening. And we actually have to look good to answer the phone. There's, there's no more, you know, answer the phone in your boxers anymore. And, and pretending that you've been up for seven hours. Oh, just up with Jesus. You know, it's, I know it's noon. Uh, but uh, there, there's no more doing that anymore. Like, you have to see, you have to see yourself, a reflection of yourself. Like, those things that we hold in our hands, do you know what they really are? Is a mirror. A magic mirror where we look at ourselves constantly, even on the phone. And when God says, hey, listen, I know there's a big thing on how you look in the world, but I want to remind you, Samuel, and church, I want to remind me and you this morning that man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. It's the heart of people in a generation that God that matters to God the most. God's not starting with the rich. God's not starting with the poor. He's not looking at any of those things. He's not starting with the strong or the weak. He's starting with people who have a heart after him. And one of the great challenges, one of the great obstacles we face is that we operate in a world obsessed with external appearance. And it's easy to fall into this trap. Even Samuel was swayed by appearance. Verse 6, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this one who looks like the king is the Lord's anointed. And the people that people want to put in positions of leadership are the ones who look like kings or look like whatever, whatever is required in the day. I was watching with my uh, daughter, Lena, uh, YouTube. Like, my kids don't watch TV anymore, all right? It's like cable's not the thing anymore. It's like YouTube where they watch all these influencers. Um, and the people influencing our kids, mostly they're beautiful people, right? The LeBrant family, blonde hair, blue eyes, blonde hair, blue eyes, kids, they're beautiful people, all right? These are the people, and I'm not saying, supposedly they're, they're Jesus followers, it's great. I'm not talking about their hearts right now, I'm talking about the people that have 13 million followers in our society are the beautiful ones, all right? You have to look right to be followed in these days. And I just want to say, man, God, God wants, God wants to, to say no to that. There's something better in these days. Anybody with me? Did I lose you bad? As soon as I said LeBrant, you all said, hey, do, do not mess with my influencers. I felt that in the room. I don't know. Maybe I'm way off. All right? 
Listen to this. What God is looking for in a generation is hidden from most of our eyes. You see, you can't see what God is looking for in a generation. All right. You can't see it with eyes. You can't brush its hair. You can't whiten its teeth. You can't slim its physique. You can't make it tall. That is not what God is looking for. That is, is hidden from our eyes. It's, it's, it's something hidden, something so valuable in a generation that is, it is just, you, you, just, you can't be average to see it, spiritually speaking. And God is looking past externals to the heart of a person, to the heart of a generation. That's what God is looking to. He's looking to hearts. Look at verse 11 here. I want to read this for a moment. It says, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. Now, this is a packed statement here. And this really shows, um, this really shows how families, even families like you know, the, the family that produced King David, is messed up. It's a little hope for us here today. You can produce a King David and just be jacked up like everybody else. All right? So Samuel said to Jesse, are, your, are all your sons here? Because Samuel said, hey, invite all your sons. You know, Jesse would have, seen, would have known who Samuel was, would have seen his horn of oil, would have known why he was here. So Jesse invites all of his sons except for David. Because even as a father who's supposed to believe in his children, he believes in all of them but David. The one that God saw was the one that the, the earthly father was ruling out. Man, this happens, doesn't it, guys? So many of us, we were like, we want to do a series on family, kingdom family. And many of us are like, uh, no thanks. No thanks. We want the church to be like a family, not a business. And we say, no thanks. Business is safer. At least I'm treated with some value as I'm herded into my programs like a cow. That feels better than being a part of a family where you're overlooked by fathers and mothers. That hurts more, doesn't it? So Samuel said to Jesse, are your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, <laughs> he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. All right. So there remains the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. So here's the sad reality is that sometimes your own family doesn't see you. Sometimes your own family doesn't see, uh, sometimes your own family, what, what they see is they, they see your stature and you're too small, but your big brother is, he, he's the king. And they, they say that stuff and they talk like that and they vibe that stuff and that is how you feel. And I don't know if what birth order you are, it really doesn't matter, but, I, but it, what, there are some practical realities of stuff that you have to go through in a family and I get that and God sees that and actually in a beautiful way, God is speaking to that because he's speaking to Jesse. Jesse, you've got eight boys and the one that God wants the most is the one that you don't. What is, Jesse, be a dad, man. We're not even gonna sit till your youngest comes here. Man, that is speaking life and value. Can you imagine the person that goes and gets David? And, and David's there with his harp in the hillside, watching sheep. He's got a dead bear, he's got a dead lion, dead wolf, right? Dead duck, I don't know why, I don't know why. He's got a dead duck there, he's got them all lined up. He's confident because he's been trained in the hillside, but he's intimate with his father because he, he knows how to just be. Hear wind through trees and hear his father's voice. The, the, this is the same boy who, who wrote Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need to want because I'm his. Woo, this is the David. 
he's a teenage boy here, probably. And the person who goes and gets David says, hey, David, Samuel's here, Samuel the prophet. And he's here, and he's going to be anointing the next king. He's got his oil. God doesn't want any of your older brothers. And David's like, I knew it. You know, he, I knew that. Said, Samuel wants to see you. And so they rush David off to Samuel. And l- l- just, just look at this. This is, this is so good. And he sent and brought... Um, uh, hold on. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Look at verse 12. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. That means he was uh, red. Probably a, a red head. Maybe some freckles. All right. And had beautiful eyes and was handsome. So l- l- let me tell you, just because you're beautiful, like don't hate him because he's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? All right, there's still, we, we, don't, we don't judge someone because they're beautiful. There's beautiful people and we celebrate that, right? So here God notices that. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, there's a lot here. I'm just going to break this down for us uh, really, uh, really basically and simply. But as, um, as all the sons were assembled, except for David, that is a place where, where some pain can, uh, can come in. I would call this, in, in our days, uh, we, we've got some uh, terminology around this. And I would say, if you're not invited to the king party because your father sees you as a butt, that is called a father wound. And everyone has this. Everyone has this. For David, his father didn't see his greatness and didn't see him like God saw him. But all of us have this father wound in our hearts that seeks to tell us how to live, how to advance. And what the enemy wants to do with it is he wants, he wants it to hurt so bad that we stop progressing and maturing and we stay a child. That's what he wants to do. He wants us to stay. He doesn't want us to become a man or a woman. He doesn't want us to to surge forward despite the pain. He wants us to stay obsessed with our childhood wound that our father or mother gave us and just stay a child. Man, I can't tell you how many like 50-year-old men I know that are like nine years old inside. And even myself. I just, sometimes I, I, I start navigating back to places where I was hurt and injured and my insecurity starts coming out. And it's this battle where you constantly have to say, you are my father, God. My, my, uh, my earthly parents did their best, right, mom? Thank you, all right? But this is, this is, a, this is a wound that is deep, that, that is, is common to humanity, and God is bigger than it. And sometimes, listen, sometimes your proximity, to, listen, let's talk, let me talk to parents for a moment. Sometimes your proximity to greatness makes you blind to the greatness in your own house. You just focus on the, on the pain and the annoyance and they don't listen to me and they don't do the dishes and they don't do their chores. And we just try to, you know, we just try to get them to obey and we're missing the beauty of their hearts. We become numb to it. I know a lot of people, like, it, yeah, maybe I won't say this, but I will, yes. I know a lot of people that are like, oh, I think we're leaving Providence. Then they go and they say, man, it's, I'm more thankful for Providence now that I've left. All right, I'll keep moving. All right. Sometimes your own family does not realize that they're, they're living, that they're, sometimes your own family doesn't realize that they're living with a giant killing king at heart. And they're just treating you like a butt that 
Samuel would never want to see. Keep him out in the hillside. I'll tell you this, though. The, and let me ask you this, so first parents, is, here's a question. Is, is there a king in your house? Is there a queen in your house? It, it, could it be that you're actually raising not just another person that's just going to kind of add to society, but you're raising a king or a queen in your house that is going to, to rule the day? It's going to advance the kingdom in such a way that you could never imagine. We have to start looking at our kids' uh, our kids' hearts more than their behavior. And we have to be healthy and whole enough to do so. All right? And the good news, though, is no matter how your parents uh, wounded you or not, the good news is that God finds you when your family can't, you see. Because, uh, because God tells Samuel to send for the one in the hillside, tending the sheep. And it's in God's providence that um, David was a shepherd in the hillside. I think a, a lot of, a lot of the, the development that, that a generation has to go through is actually being skipped in these days. Because I would say a lot of development that a generation has to go to to become the men and women of God that God's calling us to be, or calling them to be, a lot of it happens on the hill. All right? And I just want to talk about that for, for one more moment. How David was trained on the hillside was he was trained as a, as a shepherd. And this is actually where his heart was, was shaped. Um, he was given responsibility. He was, uh, he was given uh, dangerous scenarios that he wasn't protected by from his dad. So here, Jesse got it right on this one. He wasn't protected. He was, he was believed in enough to face bears and lions and face the danger. And there comes a time in a young person's life where you stop protecting them and you, you send them out. And if they come back licking their wounds, you don't make them feel bad. You say, this is a part of hillside training. My son right now is in St. Louis, Missouri, by himself with his basketball team. And uh, I, I'm texting with him and calling him and stuff, but I want to be there. But God has me here and he has him there because that's, that's his hillside right now. He's got to lose games and win them. He's got to learn what it is to lead his team. And, what it, and he's got to start recognizing insecurity when he feels it. This is, it's, it's hillside training. This is a stage that is often overlooked today, but it's like a, it's a lost seminary. I don't really care anymore if people have gone to a seminary where they have a master's degree if they haven't been to the seminary on the hill. And the seminary on the hill is when they, when they learned responsibility, they learned to work hard, they learned to, to fight hard, and they, they learned intimacy with the Father. This is where your heart gets captured by God, out on the hill. So, so you, you, and your heart needs to be captured by God at this stage so you don't give it away to the world. If, if, you, ha, if you skip the hill, you'll give your heart away to, to the next thing, all right? So you, you need to learn that there's nothing better than Jesus on the hill. So my hillside uh, for me was actually, my, my parents are divorced. My dad was a pastor. Uh, I ended up, my mom married a farmer. We ended up moving to the farm. And this was a Christless farmer. I tell you what, he used me and abused me like a slave. All right? But what happened, though, is even, even in the midst of an unhealthy situation, I learned how to drive a, a truck and shoot guns. I learned how to deal with horses and cows. I actually came home from school and I would grab a shotgun, load it up and disappear into the woods. This is before cell phones. And I would be there by myself with danger in my hands. And let me tell you, it was good for me to walk in after dark and, and, and see my mom get a hug from her and say, how'd it go? I have stories to tell, adventure to tell. 
We miss this today. We protect people. You've got to have a hillside. But it's also on the hill what happens is you're, you're still enough and quiet enough. And let me say this, bored enough to hear God. I would say, man, if I could, I could snap my fingers and, uh, and get rid of all entertainment devices on long car trips. I would. And I, I'm a parent. I know how it is. It is much easier to hit play and, and listen to your kids sing, sing Let It Go for six hours. I get it. All right. It's easier. And, just, you know, I know how it is as a dad just to scream, be quiet. I want to drive in peace. I get it. But there's something about being on a long car trip where you, you miss the trees that you're driving by and you miss out on what it is to think a thought and have a conversation with a parent. That is the hillside. And we're just numbing hearts and souls with entertainment that is really turning into, into something that is sabotaging the hill. It's on the hill where you kill a lion and you kill a bear and you grow in confidence, not arrogance. People that don't have a hillside can get arrogant because they can do something cool. People that have had to kill a lion and a bear out of service to the sheep that they're working for have confidence. I know how to handle myself when it gets hard. Man, we're missing that in a generation. So David, really, we say uh, he's a shepherd boy now, but to, uh, uh, you know, today we call him a cowboy. He had a hard job. He's camping out in the field for weeks and months. He's a lion killer. He's a bear killer with his own hands. I, he doesn't have, an, he doesn't have like a, some type of, of rifle here. He, he has a sling, but he has a confidence that we need today. See, this is, there's, there's a confidence in our hearts that God wants to instill. He wants to get rid of arrogance, and he says, let me replace that with confidence. Do you know that before David was a giant-killing king, he had to be a lion and bear-killing cowboy on the hill? You know that? That is the progression. You don't just become a king. You don't just become a king. And today, if someone doesn't see your greatness and make you a king, they say, no, you need a hillside season. Then you tell them, you just don't see the, you don't see the greatness in me. And there you go. And they, they chalk you up with the pain of their fathers. Maybe some of you are angry at your moms and dads. All they're asking you to do is get to the hill. It's not that they're not seeing you. It's that they're, they're trying to shape your heart. So you, can, you, like David, can say, you know what? I know experientially that the Lord is my shepherd. And I'm not going to get that from influencers on TikTok. I've got to get that in the, in, the, in the silence that lasts for hours. I have to get that intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. You know, the, the wound comes when parents don't shepherd that way and send your kids to the hill. The wound comes in kids, just like parents can have a wound of not seeing your kids the way that God sees them. But parents can, parents can also give a wound to kids where you you cover or you insulate your children from the cowboy stage or from the, from the hillside and you allow them to live in front of the TV. You allow them to live in front of the computer. You allow them to live in front of the gaming station. And what that does is it hijacks all of their growth. And they're just going to stay where they are emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. You're going to be like, man, you're 22 years old and you, you act like you're 10. It's because you introduced what hijacks their maturity at 10 years old. And that, that's quite a wound that we don't want to deliver, amen? Anybody, let's say, hey, we're not going to be a generation of parents that delivers those wounds, all right? So what do you do on the hillside? 
Let me give you just some advice here for a second. And then I just want to pray for you. Um, but uh, what you do on the hillside is you read your Bible. <clears throat> and I would say, man, I'm really thankful for digital Bibles. And sometimes they're the best, all right? Not knocking them. But on the hillside, I would say turn off all digital stuff. Get your brain off Wi-Fi. And grab a Bible and a, and a pen and a notebook and just spend, I, I'm just talking hours. It's like when you're bored, keep pressing in. And when you're double bored, take a nap. And then just go be triple bored and quadruple bored. And just spend time with God and learn how to read the scriptures and rightly divide the word of truth. This is not like, we're not, these aren't, this is not a spell book where something bad in our life happens. And we're, oh man, I think I know a spell for that. Uh, no one that formed against me shall prosper. <laughs> this is not that. So you don't launch a verse like a spell. You stand on a verse like a promise. You know this? You believe it. You operate on the truth of the verse as though it is true, even though the experience doesn't echo it. You stand on it. Right? So I would say read the Bible. I would say embrace slow and boring. We've got to get boring back. And by boring, I, I, I don't mean this. I don't mean God is boring. I mean we need to have a slower pace of life where, where entertainment is taken down from, the, from God's position, taken down as an idol, and we, we can actually sit for five minutes without getting antsy for a screen. And we just embrace slow. We just, we get to know the heart of God. And we, you know what it does is it fosters intimacy with God. When I, when I moved off the farm, I was so kind of hurt and broken that, you know, I, I moved from the farm into my room with my Bible and I spent hours and hours and hours and hours with Jesus on my knees, on my face. It, it's, like, it's like there was no time anymore. I found that Jesus and his presence is better than anything I had ever tasted and he is all that I wanted. I'd ride the bus, I'd run home, I'd, I, I would give him all my stuff, I'd read the scriptures, I read the Bible so much that the New Testament fell out, I got a new one. I still have it. I just read the scriptures. And man, that shaped me more than my undergraduate training and more than my master's training. Those, those two things are important because they're hillsides in themselves, but they've got to stand on the hillside that I was at just in my room, just being with Jesus, not needing the TV, not needing entertainment, seeing that Jesus is better than any show I've ever seen. Just letting him stir me. Intimacy with God. Hanging out at in my bedroom. And then, man, this is really important. I, I don't want us to skip over this, but do you hear what happens when Samuel took the horn of oil? See verse 13? Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. All right? So it's like, it's like God is reversing the curse. All the brothers are like, yeah, David doesn't belong with us. We're the tall, good-looking ones. We're the ones that dad believes in. We're the ones that Samuel wants to see. We're the ones that make prophets impressed. And here, what happens is the youngest from the hillside, ruddy as he was, he gets the horn of oil poured on his head, anointed him in the midst of his brothers so his brothers could see. Listen, let me tell you this. Like, don't fight for yourself. God will fight for you. It might take a decade but God is going to make this right. He's going to fight for you. And, and even, even when people don't want it, he, he's going to say, man, this is the person that I've called out of all of you. The people that are most prideful, the, the people that just think they're right. Man, God doesn't let that go on for too long. 
He anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And listen to this, though. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now, friends, this is what we need. If you Listen, if you haven't heard anything, hear this. Hear, you don't manhandle your heart into Jesus. You, you don't just decide that I, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I use this expression a lot, but I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Like this is, that's the American way. Say, so I'm going to get my heart. Listen, you can't change your own heart. You can't change your own heart. Do you know your only hope for a changed heart after God? is someone named the Holy Spirit, who is a person, not a force or a thing. He's not a mist or a vapor or a stream. He's a person that moves like a river. But he's not a river. He's a person. And he wants to fill you and he wants to change you and he wants to empower you in ways that you never could on your own. And so if, if this morning you are stirred in any capacity to be a person in your generation that stands out with a heart for God, like a David heart, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit working in you or you, you can't sustain this on your own. So I just want even wonder here if maybe you're, I feel like maybe there's, man, I feel this strong. There's an invitation here that God is just saying, hey, just, just invite people to have fun with the Holy Spirit. We started out the service this morning with, you know, dan a dancing in the street song. And many of us don't know what it is. Just have fun with God, you know? You wave banners. You just, just dance with the Lord. Have a good, he's a great dad. He wants to toss you in the air. I think a lot of us don't even believe that. I, I just want to tell you that we need to learn these things. And I feel like there's an invitation here today for parents to, to be touched by the Holy Spirit in a, whole, in a whole new way. You cannot parent without God the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, parent, can you just tell the Lord that? Can you just say, Holy Spirit, just touch me like I've never been, like I've never been moved. Oh, just fill me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Just say it, just, just from a, a pure heart. You don't have to get the words right, but he can, he, he can see your heart. Just tell him that. Just come fill me. I want to start operating. I mean, even if you want to put your hands out, just in, in reception posture, like you're going to catch this ball. Holy Spirit, just as you, as you come, we just ask you, Lord, to, to make parents, spirit-filled parents, that see like God sees. And in a generation of woundedness, this is going to be a generation of healing. We, we, we pray and declare in Jesus' name. God, just pray that over parents of this house. God, where repentance needs to happen, it would happen. Where healing needs to happen, it would happen. Boy, I just pray for a new day of Holy Spirit parenting, revival parenting in these days. And maybe you're, uh, you're a person where, you know, you... Uh, it's not parenting that is your thing. It's that, that you really feel the call of God on your life to be a standout in your day. And I'm telling you, like going to school is fine, but it won't do it. All right? It is cool. It just will not do it. And whatever you, that you've been putting as your first priority in your life, you've been running after, but you've been running after everything but God the Holy Spirit who wants to empower you and anoint you for his purposes, not yours in your day. I just believe that God wants to touch you today. And I just believe that this, let's pray over you guys too. If that is you in this day, actually the young people, let's just have, let's have you stand. If you say, hey, I want to have a heart of David in my generation. If that's you, just stand your feet even, even right now. I, I want to receive just a, a touch from the Holy Spirit today. In my generation to, to serve, not on my own strength, not on my own power. If someone's standing around you, just put your hand on them. Just bless them. Let them know that they're seen. Just begin to pray over them even right now. Father, we just bless, 
bless these young people. We, we just say that we believe in them and we see them, but we don't see them like you see them. God, you see, you see greatness in their hearts. You've got a hope and a future for them. And I just pray, God, that they would not waste a moment running after things that are not of your heart. That they would not waste any energy on doing things that they don't need to do that are not in accord with their heart. I just pray, God, that they would, they would lock themselves down into hillsides and that their life would be known for the secret place, not the public place. I pray, God, against building a shallow existence on the public place with no secret place. And I pray that you give them a heart's desire just to be with you in the hill. And then however you want to use them on whatever stage, God, I just pray that, they, that you would already have their yes. But I pray, God, for secret place lovers of God to be raised up in this house, in this hour, in this generation. So just, just touch them and touch them and touch them and bless them this day. We pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guys, I just want to remind you that, uh, that in this house and in your homes, there are Davids in your house, kings and queens that God's raising up. And I just pray that we would be a church that sees the, the greatness that God is doing instead of, uh, instead of the, the darkness that the enemy is doing. Man, let's not celebrate that anymore, amen? Do you, can you feel that God wants to do something great in these days? feel so much. And so I just want to encourage you, if you were here today, maybe nothing that I said touched your heart at all, but you just need prayer today. I just want to say we've got a great prayer ministry that we'd love to believe with you and contend for you. Uh, whatever you're going through, we believe here that God is bigger than every single other thing. And so God, I pray for every single person that has stuff in their lives that only you can handle. Lord, I just pray a blessing on them. Just pray that they're they filled to overflowing with your goodness. I pray that they would have the courage today the faith today, God, to step out of their seats and just get prayer. That's what's supposed to happen at church. This is supposed to be a hospital where sick people can get better. And Lord, so I just pray that that shame wouldn't win today, but faith would win the day and that people would get prayer and not leave before they're giving all of their stuff to you, God. So we bless each person. We bless everything that you're doing in these days. And we're just thankful to be alive in these days, in this hour where Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.